0: Hey everybody, how are you doing? This is the Yes Anthony Says Podcast. This is S. Anthony Thomas. Once again, recording from a travel location, so I'm not going to have to do this on my phone. I apologize. Everything will be back to normal when I can get back home. And you know what? You know what this episode is going to be called? It's going to be called The Drive of Shame. That's what I'm calling this episode, The Drive of Shame. And I'll explain to you what I'm talking about. Now, I talked before, I used to call it uh, guilt distance. When people would do something in the car that was stupid and they know they were wrong and they feel guilty and they drive eight miles behind you, even though there's no other traffic, they may, they'll stay like a half a block or almost a whole block behind you because they feel guilty for being an idiot. Maybe they do something stupid like honk the horn at the moment the light turns green Or they honk the horn and you've already pulled off from the stop sign, meaning the honk was actually late. They were so impatient and they realized they were being idiots and they stay way behind you. It's the guilt distance. But I also decided I'm going to start calling it the drive of shame because that's what happened today. Someone had to do the drive of shame. Now, last week's episode, I talked about road rage and I told the story. If you heard the, you heard the episode, you guys listen, hopefully. So you heard the story and some of my friends called me, a bunch of my friends called me and told me that they liked the episode, which I appreciated. But this is a little bit different. This isn't necessarily, I mean, this is road rage as well, but it's a little bit different, my friends. You see, close to where I'm living. There's some schools, right, and there's some places where kids have to cross the street, and people tended to drive down this specific street way faster than they necessarily should because it's a long stretch and their lights are far apart, so they just peel down the street, peel down the street, And I'm pretty sure there's probably some close calls and some things like that. And people would get upset. Hey, you almost ran over some kids. Hey, you're driving like idiots. Hey, which is true. People do drive down that strip like morons. So what do they do? One day I'm about to drive down the street and the street is blocked off. And I don't know why. But they say that through traffic can come through. So I decide, okay, I'm through traffic. I'm going to go through. And I do go through and I notice something. I noticed that there are now strategically placed rather large speed bumps. I didn't see the first one, but I saw it fast, you know enough where I could slow down, so I didn't hit it like an idiot, and I didn't turn into the Dukes of Hazzard. Okay, I didn't turn into Evil Knievel if you're old enough to remember who that guy was. And for my young audience, the young audience members, Evil Knievel. Actually, he was, he was around when I was a little boy, which I'll tell you how long ago that was. He was a stunt motorcycle guy. He used to jump over a large thing, jump over a bunch of buses. He tried to jump over a fountain. He did all sorts of crap like that when I was a little boy in the 70s, okay? And I didn't want to turn into that guy, all right? So I slowed down, but... And then I see, oh, it's strategically placed all through the whole block. Close enough where you can get up to a a reasonable speed, but not far enough away where you'd even get an opportunity to accelerate. And you wouldn't want to accelerate because if you accelerate, you would hit the speed bumps and become the person I just mentioned, Evil Knievel. Remember him from a few seconds ago? Exactly. So now I know that the speed bumps are there and they're street colored. They have not been painted yet. They didn't paint those little white or yellow lines on them so you would know that they were there. So when people are driving down the street, they don't see them. So I imagine at some point in the middle of the night, some knucklehead guys and gals are gonna go driving down the street and it's late at night. Wow, there's probably no police around. I'm really gonna step on the gas, and they're gonna step on the gas, and get a huge, a surprise, an unwanted surprise. The kind of surprise that sends you to the mechanic, and has the mechanic going, "Ah ha ha! Guess whose trip to Thailand, whose trip to Paris, or whose trip to Afri- Africa, Africa, whose trip to Europe is going to get paid because of stupid people?" Yeah, I said it. So I know it's there, and I'm driving down the street, and one of the aforementioned hotheads is behind me, tailgating me. And he's making gestures, and I'm going, Oh, I'm not going to have to deal with this, right? Am I going to have to deal with this until they paint these speed bumps, and people tailgating me? He's tailgating me, and I start to hit the brakes because I'm slowing down, and apparently he's thinking I'm brake checking him. He thinks I'm brake checking him, so he's cursing. I don't know what the curse words are, but I'm pretty sure they're good ones because they didn't look like they were curse words with one syllable. He's doing all of that crap. But what he doesn't realize is that I'm slowing down for speed bumps, speed bumps that are on both sides of the street. So what does he do? He looks at me at the, whole, the whole time while he's accelerating and the middle finger goes up and he's cursing, right? He's about to roll down the window and say disparaging things about female members of my family, I'm sure. And then Badagow, he hits the speed bump at a huge rate of speed and he takes off into the air. And I can see the horror on his face. And I'm starting to laugh internally until I realize when he lands, he's probably not going to have control of his car. And he's going to hit one of the parked cars, someone who had nothing to do with this. I really had nothing to do with this. But these people are innocent people, and he's about to smack into their cars. Oh, no. I stopped my car because I'm thinking, okay, he's a bit of a you-know-what hole. But, I mean, I don't want him to smack his car. He may not even have his seatbelt on. He may get thrown out of the car. He may get injured. I want to be prepared to help this person, even though this person, once again, has probably said several disparaging things about my grandma. He comes within millimeters, millimeters, millimeters. Millimeters of hitting the parked cars at a high rate of speed. But somehow, fortunately, Captain Hothead's reflexes were just fast enough to not hit the parked cars. And he stops and he's shell shocked and he has a look on his face. And I and I pull up next to him and I go, you okay? And he has enough wherewithal to roll down the window. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm alright, man. Uh, trying to catch his breath. You gonna be all right, brother? Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, I almost hit those cars. Ooh, ooh. Right. So when I realize he's gonna be fine, I begin to pull off. Right. But unfortunately, a bunch of cars have pulled out of the supermarket. So I only got halfway down the block and he starts to come back into traffic and he's driving behind me. He knows that his hot headedness was the reason he almost crashed into a bunch of parked cars. He realizes that now. And I'm seeing him in the rearview mirror because traffic has stopped and I'm looking at him and I'm noticing he isn't looking at me. He's looking to the left. He's looking to the right. He's looking in his rearview mirror. I don't know at what. There's no cars behind him. He's doing everything in his power not to look at me. And unfortunately for me, I don't know where he's going. I know where I'm going, but apparently wherever he's going some of that travel has to go on the same street that I'm going on. And there's cars behind him. So we can't do the he can't do the the guilt distance. It's not possible. There's cars behind him. So now he has to be one car behind me again. And this time, like I said, there's a difference between guilt distance and the drive of shame. Guilt distance, he'd be able to stay back a half a block. He can't do that. He can't do it. He can't do it because there's cars behind him. He has to do the drive of shame. One block, two blocks, three blocks. Seven blocks, ten blocks. I know he's not following me. It's just one of those situations where, unfortunately, wherever he's going, some of the travel is by is exactly the same roads I have to go. I turn on my turn signals. I'm going. You know what? He feels bad enough. I want him to stop feeling bad. I guess I'm gonna. I mean, I'm, I'm making a turn. I'm going. Well, I'm, I'm turning here. He seems like he's going straight, so it's not a big deal. He'll be able to go on. His turn signal comes on. I know he's not following me. And he sees and he's ah I can see a look in his face, like oh, oh he's still behind me and his car is behind him. He has to continue on with the drive of shame. I would like to say that I'm a big enough person to not enjoy this. Because now that I realize he's not hurt, because the last thing I wanted him to do was get injured. But now that I realize he's not injured, I'm starting to feel a little schadenfreude. I'm starting to feel it. I don't want to feel it, but I'm starting to feel it and I'm feeling a little guilty, but also not a little guilty because I'm starting to feel that's what you get. Because if there wasn't a speed bump, you would have called my female relatives, disgusting names and said things, flipped the bird. You probably would have pulled in front of me and sat on your brakes and maybe brake checked me, you probably would have done it a couple of times because if you're enough of a head to do the Dukes of Hazzard thing like you just did, you're enough of a head to do all of that crap and now I don't feel bad. Ah, ha, ha. I didn't laugh outside, but inside I'm thinking, ah, ha, ha. that's what you get, punk. Another two blocks, three blocks, four blocks. Okay, it's my left turn. I make my left turn. He also makes a left turn. I'm pretty sure he's not following me. What the hell is going on? Three more blocks. Five more blocks. He's still behind me. And then he finally turns off to go onto the freeway. Like I said, I didn't think he was following me. But I did notice when he made a turn on the freeway, he stepped on the gas because he wanted to just get away from me as fast as possible because he wanted his drive of shame to end. And so did I. And now that he's gone and I didn't want to rub it in, I began laughing hysterically because it was funny. You should have seen the look on his face. But when I think about that, you start to realize that there, as a human being, as an adult, how many times as an adult do you just feel pure joy in something, right? How many times as an adult do you just feel happy about something? I know that it doesn't happen as much as adults that it did when you were a kid remember when you were a little kid you see a little kid and you just watch them blossom like a little flower you watch them learn something that they never knew before you watch them discover something you you know maybe they they learn something in school or you teach them something as an older adult and they're astounded by the thing that you're teaching them and vicariously you get some of the joy that they're feeling because they learn something but you can't feel it all because you're jaded you're an adult you've had people cheat on you, you've had you've been audited, you've had bad things happen to you, you had a car accident, maybe your back hurts, all these things that happen to you as an adult kind of water down your ability to feel the kind of joy that a child can feel. And you often wonder as an adult, what do I got to do? What do I have to do? What can I do to feel the kind of joy that a child feels? Because when you watch a child blossom, it's like, metaphorically speaking, it's like watching a flower bloom right in front of you. And it's great. I remember seeing, I was helping my nephew with math, with a math problem, and he was not getting it at first, and he was feeling down, and I gave him a pep talk and I said hey listen man as a grown up there's some things that I don't know too and I get a little down just like you're getting down right now but you know what happens when you finally learn that thing it feels great and I'm not getting off this floor we're going to lay on this floor and I'm going to figure out a way to make sure you understand how to do this math and guess what's going to happen before your mom gets back from the supermarket before my sister your mom gets back from the supermarket you're going to know how to do not only are you going to figure out this problem I guarantee you I tell you I guarantee you you are going to figure it out. You're going to know how to do problems just like this without my help. And I did believe that. And I also know that when my sister goes shopping, she by the time she comes back, I have a beard. <laughs> All right. So I knew I had plenty of time. So we're doing the math and I'm breaking it down for him. Did this, that, this, that, bit, 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 bit. and I'm, and, and he figured out that one math problem, but he wasn't confident enough. I closed his book cause he finished his homework and he goes, we're done. Right? I go, no, we're not done. We're not done until you can figure out these math problems without me helping you at all. And I created similar math problems and I put them on a piece of paper and he looked at me as if to say old man, even though I was in my twenties at the time, old man, <laughs> <laughs> Old man, if I was bigger, I'd beat you down. The same way your cat would eat you if they were large enough. You know what I'm saying, right? And I, he goes to the first math problem, knocks it out, bam! Second math problem, crushes it, black, ah, boom! Right, the hardest of the, I put the, I gave him four problems. I've tricked him, I put making the toughest one number three, smack! Home run, and he knew it was a tough one. He looked up at me as if to say, why would you do this to me, you old bastard, right? And then he knocked it out, and then he did the fourth one, and he looked up at me, and he started smiling. I said, see, from now on, you can do these math problems, and you don't have to ask me. You don't have to ask your mom and dad. You got it, brother, right? And then we got up and we, I did like, I did, well, actually, I forgot to tell you about this part. Every time he got a, a a math problem, right, I would do this goofy, happy dance that I made up just to make him laugh, to, to to brighten the mood. So after we did the four problems, we both did the happy dance. I forgot what the heck it was. And he was happy. And then when he goes home and he's knocking these math problems, that was fantastic. It was like watching a little flower bloom in my nephew's mind when he did that math problem. It felt great. It felt great knowing I was able to do that with the brother when he was dropped off because my sister had to go shopping for some stuff. It was great. But we don't get to feel that joy as an adult, do we? Not all the time. Not as often as as a child does. But I started to think about it and I realized there are times when we do feel that joy, aren't there? Think about it. I imagine the joy my sister felt when she had the babies, right? And my cousins, I, I don't have any children, but I imagine the joy they felt. Because I felt some semblance of that joy because these these weren't my kids, but they were my nephews and I loved them and my nieces and I love them, right? And when I was able to help them with something, to teach them something, it felt great. So I imagine it's exponentially more as a parent because they actually came from you. But as an adult, how do we get that joy? You don't get the same joy as an adult on Christmas. Of course you don't. You may like Christmas, but it's not the same as it was when you were a kid. Hell no. But there are times as an adult when we do feel that joy. When I do this podcast, I feel that joy. When I would stand on the stage and tell people jokes in large rooms, I felt that joy. And you, if you're in a relationship and you're with the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with, you feel that joy because, you know, you think something of that human being, you think they're special, you love them, you like to jump on top of them and give them that good deep business, so good they think it's Christmas. And that wonderful human being thinks you're the best thing that ever happened to them and, you th- you know, and vice versa, Right. Maybe you finally get that job you've been wanting. Whoa, and that salary you've been wanting. Wow, you feel great. So we are capable of feeling that joy as adults. It's not like when we were a kid, it's not the same thing. But we are capable of feeling that joy. Like I said, you find a person who you want to spend your life with, you get that job. Maybe you have your child and you get to hold that baby. You have that moment at nighttime where your spouse is asleep and you said, you know what? You go to sleep. I'll take care of it. You pick up that baby. You hold the baby. It's the first time as an adult, you look down at the child and you see a little bit of yourself and a little bit of your spouse and you realize, wow, man, I am a mother or a father. Look at this. We made this person and this is the greatest thing in the world. And you feel that joy because you love something more than you love yourself. And you feel that joy with the baby smiling, right? Or, like I said, with that job that gives you that salary that you wanted. Or, in my case, like I said, telling jokes to strangers on the stage, which I'll be doing later on this year, or telling jokes to people around the world on a podcast you've been doing for a long period of time. Or, one other way, watching a hothead. <laughs> hit a speed bump at 45 miles an hour, being glad that he's not hurt, but being happy that he got taught a lesson because what he did was stupid. (laughs) And you know what else I hope brings you joy? I hope this time that we just spent together brings you joy because as I said, as I previously stated, it brings joy to me. But what doesn't bring me joy is ending it because that's what I'm going to do right now. But you know what would be great if you could do me a favor? If you like this podcast, and you do, do me a favor and recommend it to other people. Give this podcast some five-star reviews or whatever podcatcher you're listening to. On, if you're listening on Spotify, please follow this podcast. If you see it on social media, and yes, I'm on threads too. I'm on, I'm on threads at, uh, at S, uh, S Anthony Thomas, my name, one word, S Anthony Thomas. I'm there. Same thing on Twitter and all that other kind of stuff. That's, you just, just look, just Google S Anthony Thomas. All my crap's there, okay? I would really, really appreciate it. My friends, thank you once again for coming back. You don't know how much I appreciate the love and uh, the repeated listens. It really does mean a lot to me, as do you. I will see you again next time, my friends. Take care. Much love to you. Bye-bye.